Thanks, Jeff, and thanks a lot. That was that was a great presentation. Um, good morning, and thank you so much for being here in Denver. As Jeff mentioned, no bomb cyclone, so I don't think our flights will be canceled again. Um, but it's great to be here. Um, thank you for having me. <clears throat> I'm Jamie Lenderman, a research manager at Omdia. We're a tech consulting firm, um, and I am the research manager for the Broadband Access Intelligence Service. Um, well, I've got 10 minutes and 17 slides, so we're, we're gonna we're gonna try to get through these, um, all of them. So today, I'd like to talk to you about I'd like to talk to you about a recent survey that we did on MSO network evolution. Um, at the high level, we we did a global survey, but today I'd like to share with you some North American results that we had. So this survey surveyed 60 cable operators and MSOs across the, across the globe, uh, across five regions. 91% were decision makers, uh, having direct influence on the network deployment strategy or having knowledge of it. This survey was conducted in February and early March, so it's hot off the press. Um, and um, taking a look at respondents, 64% were in North America. Uh, it was really an even split in revenues. Um, this is the North American survey respondents only. Um, it's a pretty good split um, between some of the smaller MSOs and some of the larger ones. So let's start with DAA momentum. Um, has we, One of the survey questions that we had was, has your organization adopted DAA or distributed access architecture? 48% of respondents said that um, they have deployed and 49% planned to adopt, and only 3% said that they had no plans to adopt. In addition, we surveyed around virtual CMTS. 40% uh, of respondents repl uh, replied that they have partially or fully adopted virtual CMTS. And as Alad mentioned, you know, there's a lot of progress that's been made on that front. 55% said they have plans to deploy virtual CMTS. Um, and so that's pretty significant. 95% of the operators surveyed um, have stated that they, that they plan to deploy um, virtual CMTS. So taking a little deeper look uh, between remote FI, remote Mac FI, and plans to deploy that, there's been a lot of conversation over the years. Is it remote FI? Is it remote Mac FI? And back and forth. But majority of our respondents said remote FI, remote Mac FI, uh, both were being deployed in their networks. So I think you know we can settle the conversation that it's not or it, or either it's either and, um, and only eight percent said they didn't have plans to deploy. So taking a look at Node plus X arrangements, um, Node plus zero uh, was around five percent, um, but majority of respondents said Node plus four was it was about thirty percent of respondents. But it's a pretty good mixture across the board of what MSOs have decided to roll out. This is a question around DOCSIS 3.1. 46% of respondents said that they have deployed DOCSIS 3.1. Um, this number was higher in Europe. Around 70% of operators said they've deployed DOCSIS 3.1, but 54% said they plan to. And now some of the big questions is, when will your organization deploy DOCSIS 4.0? 32% of respondents said within 12 months, and then 46% said within 24 months. So within the next two years, the vast majority of cable operators or MSOs will have deployed DOCSIS 
And then taking a look at the DOCSIS 4.0 specification, it, in relative terms, it was about half and half. 55% said they were deploying extended spectrum. 45% said they were going the full duplex route. So taking a look at PON and the movement towards fiber, 35% of the MSOs deployed so that they have already deployed PON in their network. And this really was a split. The smaller organizations were more likely, the smaller MSOs were more likely to have already deployed fiber PON in their network. Um, in addition, in North America, 62% have deployed residential FTTH services on their PON network within the last three years. And a, a big driver of that was COVID um, and upgrade paths. And another thing I would just like to point out is, is the smaller the MSO, the more likely that it were to deploy EPON, and the larger, the largest, um, the largest service providers were deploying EPON as well. But once you get in the middle, there's a mixture of XGS PON, um, GPON, um, and 10 gig EPON. So taking into account some of the driving factors for PON deployments. 54% of respondents, these are the top, these are the top um, answers that were given. There were other selections, but I just wanted to share a few with you. 54% said competitive advantage was their top reason for deploying PON in their networks. 54% as well said new business services. This includes small medium business as well as enterprise. And then in addition, 30% said enhanced residential services to their current footprint or brownfield upgrades. Um, this is really around upgraded speed tiers as well as low latency packages. And then 27% said lower OPEX. I think we can all agree um, in whether you're an HFC-based network or a POM-based network, uh, the more fiber you can roll out, the lower your operational costs can be. And then 24% said greenfield scenarios where the push for, uh, where's the driving factor for deploying PON? And this is really where there's any opportunity to lay fiber before infrastructure or housing is built. Taking a look at some of the obstacles that remain for PON deployments. Capital expenditure was by far, almost 50% of uh, respondents said that this was their biggest hurdle. 35% um, said that migrating existing customers to PON uh, was another factor. We, you know, as you know, many of you already have had decades worth of investment into your HFC networks, and new levels for CapEx rollout is too difficult to justify in lieu of further cable upgrades. In addition, 37% um, said that the time that it would take to roll out the product PON network is, is too, too long. And I think the factor here is if you take fiber only uh, Overbuilders, they're starting with zero customers. Cable operators are starting with millions of customers. Um, and so they need to keep the customer satisfaction high. They need to keep churn low while they, while they roll out these networks. And then one last uh, factor was multi-vendor interoperability. Um, there are some vendors that are ripping and replacing um, their HFC equipment in Tupon, uh, for PON, but the majority are transitioning. Um, at where the best market opportunity and, and demographic is. 
It's really important uh, to the respondents that partners uh, that can help them through the transformation process, whether they have two vendors uh, or several, net, uh, several vendors in their network. So we asked, what are the top three, what are the key influencing factors for your organization's pond vendor selection? And this really came down to four main things. Uh, the top one was multi-vendor interoperability. Uh, secondly, pricing competitiveness. And then third was being able to have both cable and pond solutions. And then lastly, um, a number of respondents said end-to-end -end solutions were their biggest, were another large factor and that influenced their pond vendor decision. So taking a quick look at Omdia's cable equipment uh, forecast, um, I'd like to state that in our latest forecast published a few weeks ago, we have the cable equipment market growing 2.1% CAGR through 2028. You know, as Alad stated, you know, with the work Comcast has done, what work a lot of other operators are doing, um, a lot of the work is being done now. Um, 2024, 2025, 26 are really going to be peak years for the market as DOCSIS 4.0 is rolled out, as DAA is rolled out, um, and as virtual CMTS is rolled out. Additionally, our pond vendor equipment, uh, our pond vendor equipment forecast was just was just published as well. And one factor I'd like to point out is traditionally and historically, China has been the number one market for pond pond equipment consumption. This is going to change by 2025. Uh, North America will be the number one region for pond equipment, and. This is good news for vendors who offer migration paths for both cable and pond, um, because it's gonna take many years to migrate 80 million cable customers to, to full fiber to the home. <laughs> Additionally, we, I just wanted to point out that we saw some macro factors. This included um, COVID-19 was about equal in whether it accelerated pond deployments or decelerated pond deployments. Um, and then additionally, supply chains. Um, this uh, actually surprisingly decelerated a, a large chunk of uh, operators um, to waiting to roll out pond. And with that, um, I, I know that was quick. Um, I'm happy to uh, have a conversation. Uh, I'll be around all day or up here. Um, and um, please feel free to reach out to me via email or um, LinkedIn. Um, and then, um, so thank you very much. I appreciate your time and for taking a chance to listen.